dudes and dudettes. Welcome back to The Anxious Truth. This is episode number 145, 145, recording from yet another like snowfall here in New York in February. Anyway, February 2021. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Today is the first in a series of maybe two or three, I'm not sure how it's going to go, podcast episodes, trying to keep them short, where I'm going to talk about a thing that people have been really asking me to talk about for a very long time, and that is my own experience with anxiety medications, but what I went through. Uh, now, specifically, I did not take benzos. I was not a benzo user, so I can't really speak to that. I use an antidepressant, an SSRI called Paxil, P-A-X-I-L, here in the U.S. You'd have to Google it to see what it is in your country. I don't know. But I took Paxil, and I took it for the nine and a half years or so between 1986 and 2005. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about my experience with it, why I started taking it, what it did for me, and how difficult it was when I tried to stop taking it. That, that's what I'm going to talk about in these two or three little podcast episodes that I'm going to do. They're going to sound a little different than the other ones, I think. I'm just going to relay my personal experience. So a couple of things I want to get off my chest before I get into it. Number one, I do not hide my bias against these medications. And I do not hide the fact that my bias is based on my own personal experience, which was quite negative overall. And, and so I, I will own that. However, while I might say that the use of medications isn't necessarily the best idea, is my opinion, in most cases, I would never say in all cases, never, never in a million years. This is not an absolute judgment here that meds are just bad. They're not evil. They're not poison. They're not toxins. They're not any of those things. I might not be a fan of big pharmaceutical companies, but I'm also not a tinfoil hat conspiracy guy. So I, I'm not there. Like I have specific reasons based on my own experience and the experience of thousands of other people that I've had the privilege of interacting with over many, many years now, going back 10, 15 years, why I feel the way I feel about these medications. But I am not an anti-medication like vigilante and evangelist here. I'm not claiming conspiracy theories. I'm not claiming poisoning. I'm not claiming any of that. And I'm not making moral or ethical judgments of right or wrong. When I first started taking Paxil in 1996, I was clinically depressed in a very deeply depressive state. That was a bad place to be. And when I started taking Paxil, I give that medication full credit for lifting that depression. It did. So I, while I may not be a fan of Paxil in general, I would be absolutely a fraud if I did not tell you. And I wrote about it in my book. I wrote it in the first book, An Anxiety Story. I, I wrote it. And I've said it many times. It lifted my depression. It absolutely did. There are cases in, where these medications can be very useful, used judiciously. In some cases, they are lifesavers. There, I said it. I have no problem, and I'll say it again. So I might be anti-medication in general, but not at an absolute sense. There are cases where it, it matters, and it makes sense. Which leads me to the next thing before I get into my own little antidepressant story here, of my own experience. One of the reasons why I don't talk about this, and in my sphere of influence on social media, my Facebook group and my social media accounts, why I do not generally do the medication discussion thing, or even permit it if I have a say, is because we have a huge problem that comes along with that, and I'm never in a million years going to put my brain around why this is. Invariably, if you let 10 people discuss the use of, of anxiety medications in an open forum, five of them will be taking meds, five of them will not. The people who are taking meds hate to hear about people who are not taking meds. So I'm never going to, and by the way, I'm going to flip this in a second, so don't feel attacked, meds people, I promise. This is going to go both ways. But people who are taking meds, when somebody rolls in to say, I'm not taking any, it hurts their feelings. They, they, they don't like it. Stop telling me you're t not taking meds. 
please validate my decision to take medication. I'm never going to understand that. Like that becomes very heated. I've seen nasty arguments break out and I'm not having any of that. And I'll explain why in a second here. On the flip side, people who do not take medications or did it without medications will roll into a thread about medications and want to make sure everybody knows I didn't take them. Like why? I don't understand. If, if people are talking about medications, why do you need to roll in and tell them that you didn't? And conversely, if people are talking about how they're recovering without medications, why does the med user have to roll in and say, I take them, there's no shame in it? Great, we weren't talking about you. And on the flip side, in the med thread, we weren't talking about the guy who wasn't taking them. So I'm never going to get this. The need to have your decision validated by others is powerful. I understand that. I really do. And I understand that the choice to take meds or not take meds sometimes is not super clear. And you might be unsure of whether you're doing the right thing or not. But one of the reasons why we do not discuss this in my sphere of influence is that, like, in the end, you have to respect whatever choice another person made. <laughs> you really do. Because this is not a, a black and white, absolute, moral, ethical, meds are better or worse. It's not. I might think that one way is more effective than another way. And I can, I can logic that out and reason that and tell you why I think that. You could disagree with me. But at no point in time am I ever going to tell you that meds are wrong. They're just wrong. Taking them is wrong. I would never tell anybody that. Nor would I tell the person who's not taking meds that they're somehow better or did it better. They didn't do it better. They did it differently. I believe that might be more effective on the long run. But there's no better or worse here. This is not a black and white moral, ethical, like right or wrong judgment. It isn't. And that bothers me to no end. It's a topic that we should be able to discuss, but clearly we cannot because it turns into a holy war and I'm not having any of that. Okay, rant over. That being said, so you guys know where I'm coming from on that. And again, both sides here, both sides are culpable in that. Both. Like just leave each other alone. Everybody makes their choices. Help each other when you can. If someone asks you for advice on your experience, by all means, provide it. But there's no reason to roll into someone else's discussion and wave your flag. Well, I take meds. Nothing wrong with me. Okay, no one said there was. Or I don't take meds, so I'm therefore better than you. That's, that's not cool. All right, here's the deal. It was around, wait, I have to finish that with, so there you go. <laughs> and you know who you are if you're listening. A couple of people were pointed that out to me. All right, so here's the deal. 1996. The wheels were completely falling off for me. So this was my second go-round with uh, panic disorder, agoraphobia, and in that case, like a really deep depression. It was very bad. Uh, I was in a terrible place. Awful. Just absolutely awful. I was just crippled with, like you guys know, I don't have to explain to you. If you're listening to me, there's a really good chance you understand what I'm saying here. I was at a point where I was literally frozen in fear in my own bathroom. I couldn't get out of bed on many days. I was in a constant state of panic or, or near panic, that up and down thing. There's no such thing as constant panic attack. I'm not going to get into that. But I was in that constantly heightened state, always on a hair trigger, always. Anything, a noise, the phone, the wrong word that I would hear on a radio or a television show or something like those, anything, boom, I was on a hair trigger, instant panic. I was always afraid. If I was awake, I was afraid. That's just the way that was. Anybody who knows me now often and didn't know me then, only knows me now, can't even believe that that was me. But trust me, that was me. Like, couldn't leave my house, couldn't leave the bedroom, frozen in fear in the bathroom many times. I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. I was a dumpster fire. And the depression, I would not wish on my worst enemy. I don't care who you are. I would never wish for somebody to feel what I felt. 
or more precisely, not feel what I wasn't feeling in those days. It was terrible. It was terrible. So as we do in that situation, and I'm not a big doctor person, like I am not a big doctor person. I've never been a take a pill person just for whatever reason, not right or wrong. It's just, I don't know, it's in my personality, whatever. I'm not the person that runs through a doctor all the time. But we were at a point where it had become so untenable that one evening I had had just about enough. I couldn't take it anymore. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, you know, in that state where you just don't know, you're just beside yourself. You don't know what to do. And my family doctor was away. He was coming back the, the next week, I believe, or in a few days. So we called and his answering service said, so-and-so doctor is on call. I went to go see that doctor. And he was a very kind man. I don't remember that doctor's name. He was just, I only saw him that one time. And he explained, you know, look, you know, maybe you want to think about some medication. But since, you know, I'm not your doctor, I can, I'm going to give you this. And he gave me a prescription for like five, I want to say it was either Ativan or Xanax, can't remember. And so that was what he, he said. I'll give you these. But really, you got to go see your doc when he comes back because I don't want to make the decision to put you on an antidepressant which was actually quite responsible. If I think back in retrospect, he did a good job there. He tried to reassure me that I would be okay. He, he un kind of understood what was going on for me. He did acknowledge my depression. And he said, I don't want to start you on antidepressants. I don't think that you're a danger right now to yourself or anything like that, which I wasn't. That's true. I wasn't. And he made me wait to go see my family doctor. P.S. I never took any of the benzos because I'm just a stubborn son of a bitch. That's, that's true. I own it. I own my fault. Uh, anyway, my family doctor gets back into town. I go see him. I was beside myself as I always am. I remember sitting in his exam room. My wife was there with me and I was, I was just crying my eyes out. I was, I was a disaster. The doctor's office was about 25 minutes from where I lived. It might as well have been a 25,000 hour drive to his office. Everything was unbearable, everything. Or I would have described it as unbearable at the time. And I sat there and he looked at me and he said, okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna put you on some medication. And I said, what is it? And, and I was resisting. Like, I, even then I was resisting. I was at like wits end, horrible, unbearable, right? But yet I was resisting. And so he, he gave me the li a line that I'm never gonna forget. And I hold no animosity against this doctor, by the way. I do not. I think he was probably making the best decision he thought he could make for me at the time based on the information that he had at the time. And he told me, look, this is not a thing you can think your way out of you have a chemical imbalance, and we can fix it. He literally told me that. You can't think your way out of this. I know you want to, but you can't think your way out of it. Now, he was right about that. He was dead on correct about that. And then he said, you have a chemical imbalance, and we can fix it. I said, I don't, how did I, do? and I remember saying, I had the presence of mind to say, I don't know how I developed a chemical. I've never had this. Like, why do I have a chemical imbalance now, and then once for a few months, 10 years ago, and why isn't it always there? And he glossed over that. He said, look, stop, stop arguing with me. He said, if you were diabetic, you would take insulin, wouldn't you? I'm like, yeah. And that was his argument. And so in the end, what wound up happening was I, I gave in. I'm like, fine, it is what it is. And when he told me that he was going to put me on the mildest antidepressant, this one is, and this is a common story. This is the mildest one on a nice low dose. So I'm going to give you this. And what he wrote me a prescription for was Paxil. And he gave me like 90 Xanax, I believe. You got to take the Xanax because it's going to take about two weeks for the Paxil to kick in. And he sent me on my way. And I went and got the prescriptions filled and I didn't take any of the Xanax. I don't know why. Again, stubbornness, I think. And I started taking Paxil and 
I remember very clearly waking up one morning about six, seven days into the process and not feeling depressed. I mean, I was not completely, it wasn't like, oh, the, the sun was shining and the birds were singing, but it felt that way because I, it was a very clear, I remember opening my eyes, which was a dreaded event, like, oh, another day like this. And I remember opening my eyes and I was in the bedroom by myself at the time and looking around, I looked out the window, I could see out the window and I knew right away I felt different. Like I literally felt different. It was one of the more joyous moments of my life. Now, even though I still felt like complete and utter pants for my, uh, my UK friends, you know, I felt still felt like shit at the time, but it was still a very joyous moment because I could feel that that depression had lifted. It was the weirdest thing ever. Like, how could I have gone to bed feeling away and woke up feeling another way? It wasn't all better, but it had definitely lifted. Like, and I would have taken any relief at that point, and I got it. Okay, so that was about seven days or so into taking the pills, and I would have told you at that point in time, if you had asked me, what is the greatest invention that mankind has ever put forth on this planet of ours? I would have said Paxil. I wouldn't even, penicillin go to hell, the wheel, fire, who cares? It's Paxil, clearly the greatest thing we've ever done, right? So over time, over the next few weeks, what was happening as I was taking the medication, and, and SSRIs take a while before they, they come to their effectiveness, and uh, I found that the depression lifted first. And then I started finding that I was still having panic, right? I was still in that always afraid mode. But what would start to happen is when the, it would rise to like a panic level, it would suddenly like short out, like somebody had lit a fire, but then immediately poured a pitcher of water on it. That's the only best way I could describe. And that was another joyous day. Because I remember the first few times that that happened, I was like, this is crazy. And in my head, I literally envisioned that this wonder drug or what I thought was a wonder drug had put some sort of shield. I literally like, like this, like the enterprise on star Trek. It had like shields around it. That was me. Like Paxil was an amazing shield. That's what I visualized in my head. That's what it felt like. Like I am now shielded against this thing that, that is crippling me and I hate and I fear so much, which was panic and kind of did. And so my depression kind of completely fully lifted and I stopped having panic attacks and then I stopped feeling anxious all the time. And what really, so I would tell you that in 1996, that was in the spring into the summer, if I remember correctly, some things are so vivid, some things are not for me, like in terms of the memory of that, when that is. I don't know exact days, a few days here and there stick out. But I would have told you that this was, it was, it saved me, I, it gave me my life back. And at that moment in 1996, after taking it for a month or so, and it, the, it started to kick in, I will tell you this in hindsight. It did, at that moment, give me my life back. It absolutely did. Again, I would be disingenuous to tell you otherwise. Because that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't then. That was anything but a problem. That was amazing. I was ecstatic that I, was, I had my life back. And I had my life back by doing nothing but taking this pill every day. Amazing. I will also tell you that I was incredibly lucky. I was incredibly fortunate because it worked for me at the first dose that the doctor prescribed. It worked. It worked. Like, I understand that it doesn't work for everybody that way. Some people, it doesn't work at all. Some people, it makes them worse. Some people, they have to keep tinkering with doses. Some people, they have to switch to a different medication. I was incredibly fortunate. My experience with the medication, Paxil, an antidepressant, SSRI, was, was positive in the beginning. He gave me the prescription. I filled it. The dose worked. Like, it was a miracle in my life. At that moment, I started just kind of going back to living my life. I went back to managing my business, and I went back to being out on the road and, and interacting with the world. And 
I don't know. I, I guess the problem was fixed. For me, I thought, well, that's the problem is fixed. I'm good to go. I'm fixed. And I remember thinking to myself a few months in, I was driving uh, to work one day, and I remember thinking, like, maybe I did have a chemical imbalance. And I remember thinking, I wonder if I'm going to have to take this for the rest of my life. Is this going to fix the chemical imbalance? And I'm a pretty bright guy. You know, I, I, take, a, I take my time to learn. I really do, because like, I enjoy it. But now at the time, it's just at the very beginning of the internet. So there isn't this giant wealth of information at my fingertips. I was in the internet business in 1996, those original dot-com guys. But yet we still didn't have the, the, the tremendous massive information online yet. So I didn't have a lot of resource to go on. And I remember thinking like, am I going to have to take this the rest of my life? Is this curing me? Is it fixing it? Or, you know, can I come off this medication? But in the end, I didn't care. I'm like, and I remember thinking very clearly, I got to the office. I was in the parking lot in my office. I was driving an old Jeep at the time. Greatest car I ever had, by the way. Old Jeep CJ7. So much fun. It was a mess, but I loved it. Uh, anyway, I remember getting to the office and parking the Jeep, and I sat in the parking lot for a minute, and I thought about it. Like, you know, am I going to take this for the rest of my life? Is this it? And, and it felt like there was a somewhat impactful moment. Like, I guess I'm just going to have to be medicated the rest of my life. And I remember literally thinking, oh, maybe. I guess I'll just take it for the rest of my life if that's the way it goes. Because this is awesome. So that's how my experience with Paxil started. I was in a terrible, crippled, super depressed, like always afraid, panicking multiple times a day, non-functional state. And when my doctor told me that I had a chemical imbalance, something in my head told me that doesn't sound right. But then he threw the diabetes analogy at me and I, and I relented, I gave in. And at no point in time did he ever even suggest that I should probably be doing something else like seeking out a therapist to help me with this. Never. It was just take this pill, you have a chemical imbalance. And again, I do not fault him for that. I hold no animosity toward that doctor. I don't. He did what he thought was best at the time. I do believe that to be true. But I never had any other options. It was just take this pill. We're going to address your, your you know, air quotes, chemical imbalance. And so I relented and I did it. And at that point in time, I got my life back. I wrote about this. So if you go to theanxioustruth.com, and look for an anxiety story. You can get that book for free. If you want to read this, you can get it for free. Um, you can download the book uh, from Smashwords. Follow the Smashwords link, and it's set your own price. You can get it for free. You could say it's zero. I'm fine with that. Or I give you a link if you want. You could download an MP3 that's free and listen to the, the book. So I talked about it in the book. But in the end, it was, I would have told you that I was like off to the races, and it was all sunshine and rainbows coming down the road. Like my life was back. I'm good to go. I'm over all this nonsense. This pill is the greatest thing ever. And I will tell you in the next episode, because I want to wrap this up. I don't want to go, because I'll go for hours if I want to talk about this whole thing. I want to break it up into little 20-minute segments if I can. I will tell you that after about four or five months, the, the red flags were starting to, starting to show themselves. They were starting to show themselves. Even after maybe four or five months, and you guys have heard me talk about this all the time as a gym rat, like always lifting, always in the gym, you know, tried to be in good shape and never, I've never been a small person, but I was, you know, not overweight either, you know, but, um, you know, you wouldn't mistake me for a, for a long distance runner, but I was also never overweight. I started to gain weight. That was the first red flag. Like, and it was, it was coming on at an alarming rate. It was weird. And I remember thinking one day, like I put my jeans on and they were super tight and I'm like, what the hell? When, how did this happen? And I didn't think any, anything of it. And I also found that I was starting to really, my, all of my emotion, emotions were being muted. So the weight gain and my emotions starting to be muted were the first sort of red flags five, six, seven months into the, my Paxil adventure that I should have paid attention to 
but I didn't. I didn't. And so in the next episode, which maybe I'll, I'll try to do these in a row. Maybe I'll just do them for the next three weeks. But in the next episode, I will tell you more about that. I'm not sure. This is not a teaser. It's not clickbait. I just can't. I, otherwise, I'll just do it. It'll be a two-hour podcast episode, and I don't want to do it because nobody will listen to that. So in the next episode, I'll tell you about what my experience was over the next nine and a half years of taking the medication, my own experience. And then after that one, we'll do a third one, I guess. Makes sense now. We'll do three episodes where I will tell you about when I stopped taking them and what my discontinuation aka withdrawal experience was like. So those will be the next two episodes in this series. I'll see if I put them out in sequence or not. I'm not really sure. Anyway, that is where we are. I hope you guys have enjoyed my little story time thing. There'll be two more where I'll finish kind of the tale of my, my journey with Paxil and antidepressants and that sort of stuff. Hopefully it's helpful. Please take a moment to think about some of the stuff that I said in the beginning of the episode. The idea that medications are inherently evil, or not taking medications or some is somehow better at a higher level morally, morally and ethical. It's not that at all. It's not that at all. I'm going to ask you guys, please try to respect each other a little bit more when you're in these discussions. Like if you're taking medications, the fact that somebody is not taking medications, that might make you feel bad. I can't tell you not to feel bad. But, but try to respect that that person has just chosen a different path than you. And if you're not taking medications, try to respect the person who has decided to. You not taking them doesn't make you better, stronger, or somehow at a higher level than them. It doesn't. We're all in it together in a lot of ways. So I know that sounds crazy coming from a guy that talks like against medication so much, but I truly believe that. And I, I wish we could have the conversation a little more. So take that stuff to heart a little bit if you can. As always, I'm going to ask a favor before I leave you. If you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or any platform where you can rate and review the podcast... Leave a rating, like the highest rating. Like, like We like that one. We like the four and five stars. Anyway, if you have another couple of minutes after that, maybe write a little review if you're digging the podcast because it helps other people find it, maybe get the help that they need. I appreciate it. I always appreciate the time you guys spend with me. It's a privilege to get to do this. It really is. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys. And I will leave you with Afterglow by my friend Ben Drake, just like an awesome musician from the UK. Ben gave me permission to use this song a year and a half ago, and... I enjoy doing it every week. So you can find Ben at facebook.com slash Music. Check out all his stuff. He's awesome. I will see you guys in the next podcast episode. And remember, this is the way. Yeah, you're doing fine. It's all around you. You can breathe it in. And this is where your story begins. You got the feeling.